Welcome to Highly Questionable. Uh, Dominique is usually ready. You don't have to get ready when you stay ready. Sarah Spain is looking at pictures of herself. I think I'm not sure. I'm just basing. Uh, okay, let's get started. How did you feel watching Shaq talk about Kobe? People are in a little bit of a stupor still, even as the fog of this has lifted some. And Shaquille O'Neal had a relationship with Kobe Bryant that was different than any we've seen in sports where they were on the same team as superstars and they couldn't get along. And then it morphed into something that felt like genuine dislike. Then they repaired it. And then there's the perspective of the end. Here's Shaquille O'Neal talking about a man that he loved at the end, no matter what they went through. We up here, we work a lot. And I think a lot of times we, we, we take stuff for granted. Like, I don't talk to you guys as much as I, as much as I need to. The fact that uh, we're not going to be able to joke at his Hall of Fame ceremony. We're not going to be able to say, hi, I got five, you got four. The fact that we're not going to be able to say, if we would stay together, we could have got ten. Those are the things that you, you can't get back. And with the loss of my father, my sister, and my thing, that's the only thing I wish I could just say something to him again. Last time I talked to him was when we were here and I asked him to get 50 and he got 60. The last time I spoke to him. Genuine regret there in his face. You can see it in his voice. You've got genuine heartbreak there. And if you have not ever actually been next to Shaquille O'Neal, I'm telling you, everyone knows Shaquille O'Neal is physically large. If you've never been next to him, everyone says after leaving his size, good Lord, that dude is big. And you say to yourself, okay, that's obvious. It's Shaquille O'Neal. You do not expect to see those kinds of tears rolling down the face of a guy who for a long time, right next to Kobe, was the symbol for symbolic strength throughout sports because those guys were those kinds of champions. To see him like that when you've seen him in all the commercials, smiling and happy, never like that. You've never seen Shaq like that. Yeah, and having him talk about the actual moments, like the literal kind of granular part of life going forward, like that is almost more affecting than anything because the idea of somebody dying is scary. But the idea of not being able to say the things that you want to say to them, not have, share the moments that you expect to share, like that's what's most affecting to me. I was not a, like a huge Kobe fan. I was a basketball fan and was impressed with his greatness. But I think what happens to a lot of us, and it's certainly happened for me, what's most painful about this is kind of selfish. It's because you think about yourself and you yeah. think about if this happened to you or if this happened to someone you cared about and the life that you could go on that you would have to lead that is not the one that you expected. And I think what comes out of that is where Shaq started is it brings out the best in us. And maybe it's only for a short period of time, but for that period of time, you feel like the human being that you wish you were all the time, the one who's forgiving, the one who's patient, the one who's aware that life is is so fragile and you, you should value and appreciate every moment. And it's really nice to be around friends at Super Bowl, people that I've worked with and people that I know at time like this because it gives you a chance to say those things that you just would feel uncomfortable saying before you wouldn't even cross your mind to say. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, they're platitudes, but they're there for a reason. The, the emotions that we feel and the ways that we want to connect with each other, even with people that we have beef with, when something like this happens, and we saw it with Kendrick Perkins tweeting and going on the air talking about how he wanted to repair what was going on between him and Kevin Durant. We saw it with Jay Williams urging people, whatever bleep is going on with them and somebody else in their lives, to reach out and connect and forget about it. And with Shaq, I mean, I think it was most deeply moving to find out that they hadn't spoken in four years. We all were so happy that 
that there was some sort of repairing of that relationship. We all thought of Shaq and Kobe when Kobe passed and thought, oh, I'm so glad that they found a way to come together and they had moments after the, all the fighting, you know, even if it was still kind of jokingly adversarial. But it had been four years since they talked. And that regret of not being able to say the things that you might have thought or wanted to say during that time and never being able to going forward, I think is the most difficult thing to watch. And whether it requires a terrible tragedy and a collective mourning that we're all doing right now, um, the very best we can do is try to make that the silver lining by reaching out to the people that we need to and maybe squashing stuff that doesn't need to be continuing to get in the way. If Kobe does indeed represent an athlete for a generation of sports fans, you need to understand that his feud with Shaquille O'Neal is unlike anything we've seen in our lifetimes. When Shaq got to camp as a teammate, Kobe went to the newspapers and said he's fat, he doesn't care the right way. Shaq is on a stage telling Kobe, tell me how my bleep tastes. That goes viral before things really even went viral. And then you get this, where he's got the genuine heartbreak of, look, I made mistakes, he made mistakes, life is really big and we feel kind of small could you see drew Brees walking away it's such an interesting way that the endings happen in franchises where you're loyal to an old quarterback and we're seeing it with tom brady and we're seeing it with drew Brees. the end can be difficult look at philip rivers he's envying the both of these guys and now drew Brees is saying publicly i will either retire or I will be a New Orleans Saint. So he's taking away the leverage of going anywhere else, and he's just telling him, look, I want to play the end of my career here. You guys are going Taysom Hill a lot more than you used to. You're going to use him a lot more next year. Here comes my understudy. Am I supposed to be teaching him, or am I still the most accurate passer in the history of the sport where you want me to have this job? It's fascinating. I think he's there. I don't think he's retiring. I don't think Drew Brees ends his career the way the last three playoff losses have gone. Well, not just Taysom Hill, but Teddy Bridgewater, right? So the decisions that Bridgewater wants to make about, do I go somewhere else and start immediately, or am I going to be sitting behind Breeze for a while, and how successful he was in Breeze's absence this year because of injury. I thought when and Drew Breeze answered at the Pro Bowl the question about whether he was coming back, and he said, at my age, you never really can assume. I thought it was just a, listen, I'm not ready to fully announce it, but we all know what's happening. Now I'm starting to believe that there is some more thinking being done, but I agree with you. Dan, whether or not it feels monumentous to return for another year and hope to have another year of great success and then hope to get as close as they've gotten and need a couple things to go their way and a couple calls, and and that might feel like a long road for him at this age and after as many years as he's played. I still think that with him, with Brady, with these guys who are some of the biggest names in the sport, some of the most accomplished, they don't want to leave until people know that it's probably over. And we certainly didn't enter this season believing it would be Breeze last the way he talks about it, you know. He has his his highest passer rating of his entire career this year. That deep ball may not be there, but he is so incredibly efficient and effective that he can get around that stuff and still help his team to wins. I don't believe he's going to walk away until we know and believe this might be it and we react to every single game and every single play kind of thinking to ourselves this might be the last we see of it. Yeah, I think that he'll probably be back. I certainly don't think he walks away at this point because he did have such a good season statistically. But the thing is, I don't think they actually have success long-term like Super Bowl success. You don't come back if you're Drew Brees unless you want to win a Super Bowl. And I don't think that they can win a Super Bowl in part because of Drew Brees' arm. His efficiency was great, but his ability to throw down the field is the problem. And I think that it's very difficult to win consistently in the playoffs if you have to be perfect for an entire drive. If you have to 
throw eight-yard passes all drive, 10, 12-yard passes, and not miss them. That's different from having the ability to go deep and hit a big bomb, and that's a lot more interesting. I think from the Saints' side, there's no way that they run Drew Brees out of town, but I'm not sure that they don't feel more confident or they wouldn't feel more comfortable going forward with a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. I certainly don't think Taysom Hill is the quarterback that either of those guys are, but they use Taysom Hill an awful lot when they want to take big shots, and it's really hard to surprise somebody with a play-action deep shot if every time you do it, you got you to pull out your quarterback. Are the Texans making a mistake by giving Bill O'Brien even more power? Okay, the last time that I talked about Bill O'Brien, I was just mesmerized by a TMZ video where a fan had yelled at him, you suck, and his response was, you suck too, mother bleeper, and that got to TMZ, and everyone laughed at it, and so it was the acknowledgement by Bill O'Brien that he indeed also sucks, eh, mother bleeper, and since then, he had a 24-point lead and did a lot of questionable things and blew that 24-point lead in about 12 shocking minutes at the hands of Kansas City, and then the next move is, from there, those two things, promoted to general manager, you're our guy. I understand why everyone laughs at that, because we've been laughing at Bill O'Brien for a lot of different reasons. The fact they didn't have a GM last year is something that we laughed about. They underachieved toward the end of the season. They turned Bill O'Brien at the end into somebody we were laughing at. The idea of giving him yet more power after that is something we're going to laugh at. Yeah, I mean, they play well in a playoff game, and then they play well in half of a playoff game, which is not a reason to give somebody more responsibility. However, I think this is the right move to make. If you look at what Kyle Shanahan's done there in San Francisco, it's in part because the coach and the general manager are all, all aligned, and they're aligned with the head coach's visions. It's not John Lynch's vision that they're following. And I think in this situation, it could potentially work. But this is the way you do it. If you're going to move on from Bill O'Brien, you don't want to bring in somebody new right now and then have to clean house with everyone. You allow Bill O'Brien to take all the power and whatever the result of this season is or the next season, however long they keep him, they can then say, all right, we have the right guy or we don't have the right guy. This is probably how Bill wanted it all along. And now you get a chance to find out if he's the guy to keep. And if not, you just move on and clean house and you fire the general manager and the head coach with one meeting. Well, it's interesting the language that they use. They said this is just a, a, an explicit confirmation of the way we've been doing things for the last eight months. No extension, no raise, simply putting a name on the thing he's already been doing. So how much will this actually change how they operate? It's tough to say. But it does give him as much power in this organization as anybody. And Dominique's right. Like Maybe they're doing this to get an all-or-nothing idea of whether he's the guy or not. But why not just decide if he's the guy as a coach and then be able to bring in a dissenting other voice? This is a guy who's two and four in the play. Playoffs. This is a guy who, despite them saying they loved what they'd seen from the last eight months of him as de facto GM, still fired his defensive coordinator and like four other people on staff. If things are going so well that you want to push for him to have the power that he asserted over the last season, then why are we firing a bunch of dudes and why are we giving up 51 straight points or whatever it was in a playoff game? I think Bill O'Brien's probably a good coach. I think there are very few people in the NFL, the NBA, or any other sport who should be given this much power with in one team. You guys have to marvel at this part of it, though. We really were with Josh Allen up 16-0. He was terrible at the end of that game, and if not for a half of Josh Allen being terrible, Bill O'Brien might have already been right. fired. Never mind that he'd be getting a promotion. He would have been fired. That half of football changed some he things. He only had two good halves, but they weren't in the same game, right? <laughs> the first game, the second half was good, and then the second game, the first half was good, but we never saw them put together two good halves in one game. Coming up next on my son's TV show. Mike Krzyzewski, you see the 
Cameron Crazy's chanting at the pit bench. <laughs> oh and Coach God. K yelling, shut up, shut up. Time to play the game that's been to as many Super Bowls as Dominique Foxworth. Do you question? I feel like she was laughing before she got that out when it was still a joke in her head. You give us topics and events, we question them. Show me some laughter there. I think she was laughing before she told the joke. I've been to a bunch of Super Bowls. I haven't played any, but I go. Do you question if Coach K had reason to be upset? Jeff Cable is a longtime assistant at Duke, very popular in Duke. He is coaching Pittsburgh now, and the Cameron Crazies chanted toward the Pittsburgh bench, come sit with us, come sit over here with us. And Coach K, he blows the gaskets. Mike Krzyzewski, you see the Cameron Crazies chanting at the pit bench, and Coach K yelling, shut up, shut up. And he walked across Whoa. the court as time expired on the first half to tell them they were chanting toward Jeff Capel, he's one of us. He's one of us. Now, from what we can discern from tweets from beat writers sitting down a long press row, they were saying, Jeff Capel, sit with us. Duke Sports Information has told us it was a misunderstanding. What an amazing shot at the end. Just terrified college students. Yes. That's not their father. That's the coach of the team. Well, that's he is, their father. He that's is, their daddy. He is berating. Is Look at daddy. the fear on the faces of all of these kids who are being reprimanded and are nine years old. And then Coach K apologizes for just about everything. He misunderstood or he might have misunderstood. I think sit sounds like another word and maybe he couldn't really tell what they were saying. Come but he sit didn't with like, us. Yeah. Come sit with us. Let's yeah. see what we have here by way of apology. You know, let's think of a different cheer. Let's put it like defense. Yeah, let's go. Come on, Duke. You know, let's go, Duke. Come on. You know. Don't quit your day job, coach. <laughs> yeah. I think you stick with the coaching, X's and O's, let somebody else handle the cheers. I don't think any of those were good. I mean, that's the point. It's like he would be annoyed if the fans told him how to coach. Yeah. So shouldn't the fans be annoyed <laughs> yeah. that he's telling him how to fan? Because I actually thought as a creative, it wasn't yeah. insulting or disrespectful in any way. As as fans go, I normally don't defend them, but I'm on the kid's side. Like yeah. that was a good chat. Like, come sit with us. You're one of us. One of us. You don't want to be out there. He must have misheard it. And I think afterwards he did say, you know, I didn't really quite get what they were saying and he was so defensive of him though he had that combination like angry owl plus angry dad face going just the eyes lasers he looked like the duke blue devil let's look at those scared white faces again i want to look at all those look at these young innocent faces being berated by this coach who may have misunderstood them Oh, you see my man in a bow tie? Not say, scared, no. My huh? man in a bow tie. Sun's out, gun's out. Should not be that scared with that arm. <laughs> he can handle Coach K, but he's terrified. Oh, man. Do you question if Banjo Fitch made the most impressive play in Australian junior basketball tournament history or if he just got lucky? Okay. I have no idea what he just said. That question was so long. All I heard was Banjo Fitch. She loves the name Love Banjo it. Fitch. So we go out to a middle school somewhere in Australia. Oh, Banjo. Whoa. Oh. What? No. Yes! <laughs> nice shot, Banjo. Banjo. <laughs> I mean... So, do you think his parents are disappointed? Like, they named him Banjo, so obviously they wanted him to be yeah, a musician. Things, no, you don't those, know that he doesn't do both. That's yeah. fair. No, those are things that, if you name a child Banjo, he does things yes. like that on the regular. Yeah. That kind of thing really pulls at your heartstrings. Oof. Womp, womp. Whoa. 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 Do you think he does his best work at the top of the key? <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs>
<laughs> He's really in tune with the dimensions of the court. Goodness gracious. How could they get worse? A shot as pretty as a song. No, that, that was unacceptable. Shot was music to my ears. Oh, stop. <laughs> Dear God. Come on. Not mine. Do you think they have another Sunday banjo and when they fight it's dueling banjos? <laughs> That one actually is a little weird. <laughs> I like that one a little she bit. She liked it before it even came out. Highly questionable this broadcast from the Clevelander Hotel on beautiful South Beach, Miami. Time to play the game that liked this show a lot better when he didn't have to sit next to Dan. See or no? You give us topics and events. I don't think that anyone got that right again. Just the no. Tomorrow morning at 3.30 a.m. Eastern Time, the Australian Open men's semifinal Federer versus Djokovic. It is 2020. We could have been doing a show in 2010 and this is, would have been the final. How is Federer still doing this at his age? Let's check in with Djokovic, though. He was honoring the other night Kobe Bryant. This is what he did. I had a, that fortune to have a personal relationship with him over the last 10 years and... Uh, when I needed some <clears throat> advice and uh, some support, you know, he was there for me. He was, uh, he was my mentor, my friend, and uh, it's just uh, heartbreaking to, to see and to hear what has happened to him and his daughter. <clears throat> it's unbelievable. That's kind of crazy when you consider not just reaching across sports, but reaching across all the world to reach that guy in a way that ends with mentorship. Dominique, are you intrigued? I am intrigued, and I think the idea that he was so connected to him that he wanted to use this moment after a match and wear that jacket and stuff like that speaks to me at a, on a different level. Like It speaks to how big, important Kobe is to so many different people. But... The match itself, it's super early. I'll be up early. 3.30. Yeah, I'll, I'll be, be watching out it. There. He'll yeah. be doing stuff out there. Sarah, are you intrigued? Uh, I will be too because I won't have gone to bed because it's super weak. I don't know if you guys know that because we haven't talked about anything. We didn't really. Re relating we to didn't. the Super Bowl at all, even though we're here how, how where the possible? Super Bowl is and it's how like coming up soon. Um, as for this match, one of the things that I read that I love so much was in 2013, which is now seven years ago, people were writing about how Federer should stop playing because he was going to ruin his legacy. And he's been to seven <laughs> major finals and won three of them since then. So keep on with your bad old self. Oh, man. I didn't think it could get any cornier than those jokes. It then can. You, then you hit us with, Trust a keep, me. with a keep on with your bad old self. Which your bad old self Which your bad. Those are the words that I use. <laughs> Streaming on Netflix, Night on Earth. Okay, I love these nature shows. I love all of them. Uh, he's, you're intrigued before even knowing what it is. Uh, she loves the animals, too. All right, what do we have here? We have always been strangers to the night. A place of unnerving sounds and imagined terrors. But now, new technology allows us to lift the veil of darkness. All around the planet, the most iconic animals are revealing themselves in a completely new light. 
When the light fades, new worlds awake. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't think that kind of show could get any better. But show me what the animals are doing at night when I don't know what they're doing at night. I want to see that. Sarah, how about you? Are you intrigued, obviously? Super intrigued. Also, I think Orcas at Night is going to be the title of the documentary about your Super Bowl week party. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> she wouldn't even get it out of the whale joke. And we'll just stop there. Orcas at Night. Well, I think that snakes at night will be you, Sarah, because the man had you in his home, sit here, and you take, you make jokes. Cruel. Well, I think, I think what she's saying is you're really smart. Cruel. Because it's not about size, it's about you being incredibly intelligent, really smart animals. Yeah. And killers. Just like you. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for watching Sarah Spain. You can catch her on ESPN Radio, the That's What She Said podcast, and you'll find him doing Super Bowl things at the Undefeated. Group hug with my favorite son and my favorite daughter. Uh, Are you going to show your belly next? No, I will not be doing that. That was last week. There will be no hairy belly.